Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 32 of A Better Father. So today we're going to do a little book talk, book review, um, while tying it into parenting a little bit here. So I just read the book Hooked by Michael Moss. The subtitle of Hooked is Free Food, Free Will, and How the Food Giants Exploit Our Addictions. And this stuck out to me because he has another book called Salt, Sugar, Fat, which I own but haven't read yet. This one I did complete and read. One of the reasons I actually read this was because the book is from the library. I used uh, sticky notes to make notes in the back, so I just put the sticky notes in the back of the book and then write down thoughts and notes as I was going. Another great way to make notes in a book and get my thoughts out or down without buying the book writing in the book and having more books I'm trying to get rid of around the house. So I'm just trying to be more purposeful instead of just like, ooh, that got my interest and stuff. So that's all rabbit holing there. But is that it's not, he was looking into the addictions, but it's not so much that we don't have the ability to be addicted and the food companies are addicting us. It's that we have evolved over millions of years to have our bodies drawn to food and sweet foods and foods that put weight on us and foods that are meant to uh, feed us over long term because we were around longer without having food the way we have it today than we have been since. So our bodies haven't caught up and we're actually not giving our bodies the time to catch up. We're not evolving to to work in harmony with the foods that are being that we're being addicted to. So this really stuck out to me because (laughs) I won't rabbit hole, but really having to look at where my views are at, where my thoughts are at, how this affects my daughter, the differences with her mom and I, and wanting to understand this and not just wanting to, to just kind of rest on my laurels or what else I've learned. So I like the subtitle in that it exploits our addictions, not makes us addicted. And The case is kind of made that it's not so much that these foods are addicting us, but because of the way we evolved, these addictions are being taken advantage of. But as the book started out kind of looking at our psychology, how we evolved, how our brains work, what pieces and parts are there, and as far as being a better father and trying to um, understand my daughter and her brain better and why she does the way things she does, why I do the things the way I do... And how this all comes together. Well, there was a really important part of this book that really gets to the heart of the way I process information and the way I'm viewing raising my daughter, which I'm going to read to you out of the book here in just a second. I don't typically read a lot, but this is going to be one, two, one short and one kind of long paragraph. Uh, But it's very important to understanding our children, no matter where they're at in life, and also preparing and setting ourselves up for what's to come with them. And I do think that is very important and a lot of times overlooked. And as a side note, if you hear any bumps or thumps or wiggles or jiggles or anything happening over here, uh, we actually got a cat on Saturday. Uh, His name is Barkley. Uh, The first 24 hours were horrendous and rough and scary. Um, but ever since then, he's been great. Just needed to give him time to acclimate, be kind and patient with him. Um, and he's really found himself at home here. So it's been really great, but right now he's chasing around his little fuzzball. 
So if you uh, do hear a little something, just know that's what it is. Luckily, he doesn't, hasn't taken to his jingle toys. It's really just this little fuzzy ball. So pretty good for me, but also lots of thumping and bumping as he uh, enjoys playing with it. So just want to say that in case you're random, like, what the heck is that? So what I'm getting ready to read from you is from the book Hooked, page 64. And the lead in to this paragraph is he's at the Battle Creek, Michigan um, facilities where they make Kellogg's products and um, he smelled Pop-Tarts and had a visceral reaction to it. He hasn't eaten Pop-Tarts in years, but it just whisked him back to his childhood when he ate them with regularity just by smelling them randomly in this place. Um, and so this is where that picks up. They were stuck in my memory so firmly in part because I was a kid when I first encountered them. Youth plays a key role in memory and food. When we're young, we're actively learning and changing, and that spurs the creation of memories. More memories and memories that are more durable are formed in our adolescent years than in any other time in our life. And as we age, these memories tend to be easier to recall than those from other times. This has been called the reminiscence bump. This is also the time when most of us, <laughs> this is the time when we most often engage in risky behavior which psychology attributes to the fact that teenagers have an underdeveloped break with which to weigh the consequences of their actions. Without the stop part of their brain to caution them, they're pulled more strongly by the feeling of reward. We tend to think of this as reckless on their part, but something quite sophisticated may be going on. Researchers led by the Kavli Institute for Brain Science at Columbia University recently scanned the brains of teenagers in order to better understand this risk-taking mode. And surprisingly, it revealed that teens have no more activity in the impulse-indulgent stratum than do adults. They do, however, seem to be using their hippocampus more than adults, indicating that they are stopping to think, indicating that they are stopping to think about things. This finding puts youth in a new light. Rather than just wildly taking risks, adolescents may be trying to build a richer understanding of their surroundings during this critical stage of their life. Broadly speaking, adolescence is a time when teens begin to develop their independence. One of the researchers said, what, what more could a brain do need to do during this period than jump into learning overdrive? It may be that the uniqueness of the teen brain may drive not only how they learn, but how they use information to prime themselves for adulthood. When this comes to food, this could mean that kids aren't just blindly gravitating toward junk. They may be using their brain to reconcile the attention they feel towards those products with what they're learning about nutrition and health. As to which wins out, the impulsive go or the reflective stop powers of the brain, the deciding factor may be the strength of the information and experience that rains down on them, creating the channels that will guide their thoughts and actions going forward. On the flip side, this underscores how vulnerable kids are to marketing, as external factors can play a stronger role in their decision-making than their internal judgment. When I read that, it kind of floored me because, and not in like a crazy floored way, but it was just nice to finally read where it seems to be the books and information I'm taking in is moving towards. And it matters with how we react to a situation when, when the information we're processing to create that reaction is wrong. <laughs> and I grew up, and I'm sure anybody listening to this grew up, 
kids are just, uh, what is it? Young, dumb, and full of cum. Um, apologies for that, but that is the saying. And it's just when you view teenagers as just kind of these paleolithic, no sense of self that uh, the the thing that people used to say is they uh, they don't understand mortality. They don't understand. They don't have that that sense of danger or like they don't they don't understand death. I mean, just like everything you can think of people put on teenagers to explain them because they don't understand them. And so it creates the reaction of, oh, you're just dumb. Oh, you're you're just this animal reacting and you don't understand and and you need to calm down or I need to punish you to get you to understand or to learn, which is a whole other side story of punishment. But if you look at a teenager and the way they're acting and you understand they're still trying to figure out their way in the world. The brain doesn't stop developing at a minimum until 25. So up until 25, our brains are still touching the world and still trying to figure out its place in it or help us figure out our place in it while not being fully developed, which is why one of the reasons why science has said if kids, kids, teenagers, whatever, take a gap year from high school to college they do better because they've had time to kind of process and not just jump from one thing to the other. And they've got to experience something, get a little bit better footing, meet different people outside of the group they were in in high school, not have to have this thing happening right after the other and then decide the rest of their lives when they're 18. It's insane. They shouldn't have to do it when they're 19, but the statistic shows that it does help. So anyway, when I was reading that and I'm processing this, it's just like that's how why it's important to understand that teenagers aren't jerks. They're not lashing out. They're not pushing against you. They're not trying to harm you or insult you unless you give them that thing to do because you're thinking they're these just hormonally jacked up beings that need to be punished into place. And and giving them an understanding of this is your brain trying to figure this out. And... I had read very early on, which caused almost caused an argument with my daughter's mom's dad, and that kids, when they're like five, six, seven, when they lie, your response is to teach them not to lie, to punish them, to tell them it's wrong to lie, but they're not lying to manipulate. They're not lying to harm you. They're creating stories. Their brains, again, are functioning and growing and learning, and it's actually a good thing when they start lying because... That's them being able to formulate stories. That's them being able to to see the world differently and create different scenarios around that. And when you hinder that, then you're actually doing more harm than good. And yes, there's always an asterisk to everything. And that's always, it's always funny whenever you say stuff like that or that goes against the norm. That's like, well, you can't let your kids lie or get away. Like, yes, you're right. You can't let your kids get away with something insane but when you when you understand that they're not trying to harm you or get away like people are just so like they're just trying to get away with that they're just manipulating you no they're figuring out the world and how you respond to that is important and if you punish them if you tell them they're bad or they're wrong when they don't think they're doing bad or doing wrong that confuses them but you're bigger you're stronger and you're putting them in their place and you're gonna win but you're gonna harm and that's not right. It's not right to take these little people that are counting on us to help guide them to get them 
to a certain point in life and and do it oh sacrifice their growth for your ego i guess is what i would try to say there and it's just it's not something you want to do and the other important piece of this is and one thing that i didn't realize i wasn't doing but i don't see food the way other people do and or the majority of people i would say do and i was talking with my stepdad recently about the way i eat and stuff and he's like well i still need to live life and i'm gonna enjoy ice cream every now and again and i'm gonna have cake and blah blah blah." and i didn't argue or fight because you know my growth but it was just this weird moment of like you think life is is having sweets and indulging in these treats which I don't see anything wrong with that per se. It's just the the mental the mental thing of you you consider life to be having those things that somehow your life is being harmed by not being able to eat these sugary things that are bad for you. And it was just weird. And and then on the flip side, I was talking to my biological dad and he was I was saying something about the way I eat to him. And he's like, well, then you're just eating beans and stuff every day. And I was like, yeah, I am. And I'm healthier, I'm happier, I'm fitter, and I am enjoying life more. And when I eat, go off that, when I eat differently, when I, you know, treat myself, I don't feel good. I feel lethargic. I wish I hadn't have done it. I'm, I'll indulge in a glass of wine and stuff every once in a while because I just feel like I should be able to. And it's crazy that I just don't enjoy it. And so I keep doing it thinking like I'm an adult and I should be able to do this. But like when I do, I'm just like, I don't, I don't like what I'm doing now. I'd rather just have a cup of tea. And it's crazy the way my brain is aware of something, the way my body reacts to the something, the way all of this works and still I go against it. And I think that's very telling. We know if we eat too much McDonald's or whatever, regardless of your views on whether or not McDonald's and fast food is bad for you, I'm going to be willing to bet you don't feel great after eating it. Like maybe on some level or you ignore it or you push past it or you write it off to something else, but I just don't see eating fast food and then thinking, ooh, now I feel great. Like there's got to be a pushback to that. And again, science proves out that there is. Whether or not you have it individually or not, it's there. And it's like, so you're making a choice to ingest something that's going to make you feel bad because you deserve it, because you think that's all you can afford. You think that, oh, it's quick and easy and convenient, and then you suffer for it, whether it's in that moment of just feeling lethargic and bad or whatever, or if it's down the road with, you know, addictions and heart disease and all the things that can come from it, it just doesn't seem worth it. And my excuse for getting away with the glass of wine once in a while is that, you know, Blue Zones say it's good for you to have a glass of wine like daily or once a day or whatever, which I don't do it that much because, God, I just, I just want to so bad and I can't. But anyway, so back on track, part of what the book talks about is how we formulate these memories and we put so much emphasis on food that kids are forming memories around food and and they are attaching family and gatherings and happy moments to food and we do this over and over and over again to them where we tell them this will make you happy or because this is a happy thing you get food and I didn't do that with my daughter I didn't attach food it was like we do this 
to live and I will feed you. But that's it. Like, you don't get rewarded with food. You don't get bribed with food. You don't get celebrated with food. Food has nothing to do with anything outside of it's time to eat, we'll eat, and we'll move on. And that has very much in the last year been taken away from her. And I hope the foundation I laid is is stronger than the junk food she's being fed now. But, but we have such strong memories to this stuff for a reason. And then we build these associations around it. And when you learn how easily and how much and how well a child's brain is formulating these memories and solidifying things, that's why people with Alzheimer's can remember these things from their childhood when they can't remember what they said five minutes ago or their grandkid or the person they met five years ago or five minutes ago or whatever it is. But they can recall their these childhood memories. And then it's it's not funny, haha, but it's funny because like people are just like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe grandma can remember this story from when she's five and blah blah blah. It's like because you just don't understand that that memory is so hardcore solidified in her brain at that age that that's all she can remember are these childhood memories. But again, it's just ignorance around the understanding of how the brain works and why this recall. It's not magic. It's not like something to fawn over. It's that the memories were so well formed at such an er at that early age that they stick. And if we don't remember them, we smell a Pop-Tart and bam, we're right back in grandma or mom or dad's or whoever's kitchen enjoying that Pop-Tart again. That's how strong this food can be and why I again, didn't really know that's what I was doing, but I learned early on not to bribe with food. Um, I remember one time my ex and I got in an argument in the middle of the night, which again, I was the one taking care of our daughter and she was trying to get her food. And I was like, no, you don't console her with food. And she was like all mad and screaming at me and stuff while I'm holding a screaming baby who, you know, just needed comfort. But if you start using food to comfort, then guess what? They grow up to use food to comfort. And so you're not supposed to do that. And it's like, I just knew she wasn't hungry. She was just scared. She was tired, whatever it was. She woke up in the middle of the night screaming and I took care of her. And again, had to argue with her mom about not just shoving food in her face to shut her up. And I'm just like, we'll get through this, but we'll get through this by hugging and holding and pushing through because you shouldn't use food as a crutch or as an escape or as a deterrent or as a bribe. And, and reading the hooked just really, really super solidified that feeling of, or I guess not solidified the feeling, it, it explained the feeling or explained the gut reaction or the intuition or the mix of all the little other things I'd learned of how powerful food is to us and how food companies use that power to addict us to a bag of Oreos or whatever it is and how they balance salt, sugar, and fat to get us to keep eating more even though our bodies are full. Just keep piling them in and you won't stop because you can't stop. They, uh, he actually mentioned, I think it was Lay's or whatever. You can't, you can't stop at just one or you can't stop. Anyway, he's like, that was a cute little slogan that they came up with in like the 60s or 70s. And now it's just true. Like literally they've made it so we can't stop. So I'm not going to rabbit hole too hard on the on those subjects because the point was to look at the way our a teenager's brain is formed. Look at the way a teenager is navigating the world and that when they're doing things, how you respond to it is going to matter because they're not just jerks. They're not just hormones running around. 
they're just people who don't have brains that have formed yet trying to figure out the world. And you can either shut them down, push them into a corner, or help navigate them through it and be there for them. And I may have mentioned this once before, and it'll get mentioned again because it was important, but and again, Mom was far from perfect, but she had a friend whose son was going through some stuff, and when she asked me for any advice, I said, just tell her to make sure he knows that she loves him, and no matter what, she loves him. And just repeat that over and over and over again, no matter how cheesy it is, no matter how stupid it feels, no matter how ignorant it is or or feels, because it's definitely not ignorant, but just however much of a wall she feels she's pushed up against or he is pushing her up against, just make sure he knows she loves him. And when I came out of it, because again, whether it was tuition or whatever my mom did, with all the shit we went through, I never felt she didn't love me. And I made it difficult and we fought. But when I came out of it, it wasn't like, now we have to repair this relationship to figure out how you feel about me. It's, I know she loves me. I was an asshole and she never let me stop forgetting that. So when I stopped being an asshole, now, could she have handled that better? Could she have been more aware of stuff? Could we all have handled that better? Yes. Period. End of story. Yes. But if you're going to mess something up or you're not going to get something right, out of all the mistakes you're going to make, make sure the one you're not making is making sure the person knows that you love them because they are going to come out of it. They're going to grow. They're going to develop. Their brain's going to solidify and you can either alienate them or you can let them know that when they're ready, you're there for them. And I think that's part of the job of a parent is to make sure that no matter what, you're letting them know that you're there for them and that you love them. And God, you're pissing me off right now. But I still love you and I will continue to love you because they're not always going to be doing that if you make sure they're not always doing that. And all you can really do is help guide them and tell them you care for them. And it's it might seem simpler, whatever, but it really was the saving grace for the relationship I had with my mom for many years. Now it's a little strained for whatever reason. But for a couple decades there, it was solid and great because it was just that foundation she laid in my teenage years so anyway i wanted to uh highlight that i'm i'll link to the book in the show notes i highly recommend reading it not just because of what it'll teach you about food and he did a podcast interview recently with uh dax shepherd on the armchair expert podcast and i'd already gotten pretty far into his book and so listening to him talk dax was asking him like what is it you want to get out of this what are you trying to change he's like i'm not trying to change or get anything out of this I think people should be aware. I think they should know what's influencing them. I think they should know what's happening to them. I think they should know that when they eat that, you know, bag of Doritos, that that wasn't a mistake. That was on purpose. Somebody made this to happen. And if you don't know that, you can't push against it. You can't fight against it. We do all these fad diets. We do all of these things to try to be healthy or whatever. And you're in a losing battle when the people who are selling you the fad diets and all of these things are the companies selling you the stuff that's making you need to go on the diet. And he went into all that about how, I think it's Pepsi owns Weight Watchers and then Coke came up with Lean Cuisine who owns Kraft or Pepsi owns Kraft. I don't know. They've all bought each other up and everything. So they're all intertwined, but you're literally eating one food to make you fat, sick, and nearly dead. And then going to that company to get you a different food thinking it's going to help you lose weight or be healthier, which typically it's not, or statistically speaking, it's not, which again is in the book. But um, 
but you you can't you can't understand what it is you're going against or what it is you're trying to change or or you know work around or towards if you don't understand how you're being treated, manipulated, and worked against in the first place. And Link Cuisine isn't the answer because you're just going to go right back to Coke, and they know it. There's like a everybody likes to do the circles of showing like get online, do this, do this, do this, get online, do this, do this. It's like buy a Coke product, drink it for years, get unhealthy, buy a Lean Cuisine, get a little healthier, go back to the Coke because you feel better, go back to the Lean Cuisine. Like just a circle of around and around and around of how they just keep making money. And they're doing it to make money. They know they're making you unhealthy. They know that the sugar is not good for you. They're testing ways to get less sugar into stuff, but don't like if they can't figure it out, they're just going to actually that is a side funny story is they figured out how to get less sugar into a product and then figured out that the way the brain and the gut and everything's working together that by putting less sugar in the so there was like a spot of like less sugar, people liked it better. So it went from 150 grams to like 112.5 grams and then a 37.5 gram one or whatever. The 37.5, nobody liked it was disgusting. The 151 came in second and the 112.5 came in first. But what they found out was the brain's addiction centers, because it liked it more, because it responded better to it, and you're just getting liquid calories, which aren't doing anything for you, you actually drank more of it to get more of that feeling and to have your body try to figure out how it's getting calories. So liquid drinks, he actually says it in there, don't drink liquid drinks, drink water, and he was like, basically, that's about it. Everything else is just trash for you. Um, because our bodies haven't even developed a way to understand liquid calories, especially when those liquid calories are all sugar. So it's just this vicious circle. And it, it's not funny because this is all very serious. But there's that scene in uh, the Mike Myers movie. Oh, I don't even remember what it's called. Uh, but it's Fat Bastard. And he's like, I eat because I'm unhealthy. I'm unhealthy because I eat. Or I'm fat. I don't know. However he says it. Anyway. That's what it made me think of reading this book because it was just this circular thing of just like, how do we keep you addicted? How do we keep making more money? Well, if we can do it without harming you, we will. But if the choice is the two of making money and harming you, we're going to take making money and harming you over making less money and not harming you or making that sacrifice. And it's just sad. But so if you're dealing with a toddler, a child, a teenager, a 20 to 25 year old, just know their brains aren't done yet. And they're not bad people. They're not angry. They're not balls of hormones just running around trying to do whatever. I mean, that does come into play a little bit, but they're just trying to navigate the world and figure it out. And you can either help be a guide on that or not. And it's really a choice as it comes down to parenting of you can give them somebody to fight or you can give them somebody on their side. That's kind of your options. So um, I think that's it for today. I thank you very much for listening to this episode of A Better Father. I will link to um, the hooked book in the show notes. And um, thank you. Have a great Wednesday. I will talk to you later.